there's a new kind of information that's being even more pervasive than ever before. And it's feedback. It's, it's kind of like this feedback economy. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, which means this is our hashtag one big idea episode. In these episodes, you'll hear some of the best big ideas from incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. Here we go. Sangam here. Welcome to the Flip My Phone podcast. Pumped again for another day, another podcast. And this time I have a veteran sales leader. As a marketer, I always love to hear from sales leadership because I think we can learn so much. And this time we have Todd Capone, who has been with SAP, who has been with Salesforce to the exact target acquisition. Most recently, he has been the chief revenue officer of Power Reviews and is now kind of moving on to write a book on this whole idea of the transparency scale and how a lot of different things work in the sales process. And and some of the topics that we're going to jump into are going to be around the non-obvious things that salespeople and marketing people need to learn about sales as well. But like, what are the non-obvious evolutions that are happening? And the two, how does it all tie back to the neuroscience? So I'm really pumped about that. So Todd, with that introduction, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I couldn't be more excited. All right, man. I know you've been uh, going back and forth. And most recently, the way I learned about you was through the whole sales assembly and, and the team over there around that you're doing some really incredible things. And, and one of the things you're doing is writing a book. So I'm, I'm pumped about that. But, but the first thing that I would love for you to share, maybe in something that this is a new tradition, and I don't give you any heads up, so I don't know if you're ready for this or not. <laughs> but a new tradition is like, let can you share with the audience like something funny or interesting about you that you haven't really shared with a whole lot of people? That's a great question. I, I'll tell you, I'm one of those guys that if I see somebody who can do something special, I often feel like I should be able to do it. And a part of it is like I watch people who have written books and I'm like, I should be able to do that. But I can ride a unicycle, I can juggle. And I can juggle while riding unis- a unicycle. So I taught myself crazy stuff like that. Man, I think that should be on the book cover of you being on a unicycle juggling because that not that the role of almost every single salesperson and a marketer? Well, yeah. And I actually added a little step where I can juggle apples and eat the apples as I'm riding a unicycle, <laughs> as I'm juggling. So I, I got really crazy one day. Oh, man, I would love to see that. I'm, I'm wondering if there are some YouTube videos of you doing that. Thank God, no. <laughs> <There's not. laughs> awesome. So well, thanks for sharing that and uh, you know, trying to put you on the spot there. But man, love to hear about your take. You've been in the sales world for a good amount of time. You've seen, you've led large organizations, sales teams, and also high growth companies right now. What is the non-obvious sales evolution that, that you're seeing over there? Well, it's amazing that from the beginning of time into uh, probably, you know, 20, 30 years ago, sales really hadn't evolved much. And so much of it had to do with information being available and, and what types are available. And obviously, you know, with the internet and buyers being able to do so much research on their own, that the sellers were needed in a different capacity. And that came, you know, insight selling or the, the challenger sale. Well, I was sitting on the couch with my kids and my kids were looking at reviews before they would download iTunes app, before they would watch a Netflix show. And I started realizing that 
there's a new kind of information that's being even more pervasive than ever before. And it's feedback. It's, it's kind of like this feedback economy. And so now buyers can not only do a lot of the research and go through a big chunk of the sales cycle without salespeople, but now they can find out what's not going to work and what the experience is going to be like because feedback is so pervasive. And so through that, I started seeing that you know, salespeople need to start leading with some of their vulnerabilities and start leading with flaws and start talking about the feedback because your buyers are going to go find it. And it led me down the path of, you know, how do we do that? The neuroscience behind why that works. And, you know, there's a whole nother journey that I've gone on for the last year here that's been really exciting. But I think there's some really cool things that salespeople and marketers can do to get ready for that part of the evolution that's that's not so obvious. Yeah, I hear that so loud and clear as I have talked to him. And this podcast has been, you know, now I think about 130, 140 episodes by the time we go go live with this thing. And I hear this consistent theme now, and I'm starting to look, do some pattern recognition, is that, look, what worked before is not going to work. You know, the, the stuff is changing so fast that you need to get a grip on, on a lot of these things. And the things that you have taken for granted are no longer there for being granted. They, the things are just very fluid. And I always thought being a marketer, well, that's only the marketer's world. I don't think the sales world is changing. They're still calling and dialing and emailing. And that's kind of what they've been doing. Are you saying that? No, that has changed as well. Uh, absolutely. And it's amazing. You know, as a part of this process, I've literally, and who knew that I could read, but I've read 17 books on neuroscience to really learn about the, the whole process. And there's some great books that have taken it and moved it into marketing. So like the Robert Cialdini's uh, with persuasion and influence and uh, Roger Dooley with brain fluence and like so many cool things that marketers are doing, but it, it hasn't moved in the sales. And I'll, I'll give you one stat that really blew my mind that started this whole process. You know, obviously, marketers have been displaying, collecting and displaying ratings and reviews on retailer and brand websites for the last 15 years. We at Power Reviews, when I was chief revenue officer here, we did a study and we found that a product with a review score between a 4.2 to a 4.5 sells better than a product with a perfect 5. So a a product with a 4.2 sells better than a 5. And I, I started thinking about like, why? And, you know, the brain requires that. Like if it feels like it's being sold to, it puts up barriers and negative reviews on a website actually reduce the barriers and make the path to sale easier. Well, we've been teaching salespeople to sell as though we've been a perfect five O forever. Yeah. And it's amazing when we lead selling as though we're a four, two to a four, five, what it does to your buyers and it melts them and you get into better trusting relationships, make it really hard for your competitors to sell against you. You win more deals. You, you disqualify deals faster and you have more rope post-sale for when something inevitably will go wrong. You've built up that trust because you've shared some of your vulnerabilities. And it, it's amazing how much faster we're seeing sales cycles because we're leading with these vulnerabilities. Dude, that is so fascinating to even hear because we try to say that you know, the world is, is not perfect, but we yet every single day. We try to act and, and get other people to act like they're perfect. And the only thing that's consistent with everything is that we're humans. There's no such thing as perfect. We all can strive for it, pursue it. But when you sow some of these vulnerable things that, hey, we're not perfect, it actually is a really, really fascinating way to look at it. So is that, like, I'm now very, very curious, Todd, is like, can you walk us through some examples or like, you know, here are three things around of neuroscience 
for, for listeners who are in sales today and, and marketing today who are listening to this podcast, like what are the two or three kind of things that they could do and keep in back of their mind to say that, oh, I need to pay attention to that or here's how I should sell better. Like, could you walk us through some? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'll give you a, a kind of a crazy example, but I, I often talk about Ikea. Mm. Like if, if you go to Ikea, uh, you have to, you know, you go through this labyrinth maze to find the product you want. You write down the code, you go into the warehouse, you load it onto a cart yourself. You then load it into your car yourself. You drive home with a couple of minor injuries. You get <laughs> home, you open the box, the instructions, there's no words. It's all like 2D images. And you got to figure this thing out with hundreds of parts. And you'd think, wait a second, if I was a furniture retailer, wouldn't it be super easy to beat Ikea? But it's not because what Ikea has done to the world is says, hey, listen, we're not going to be good at certain things. So we can be really good at providing low cost, modern Scandinavian design furniture that's going to look good in your house. And you're not going to pay a lot for. And as it turns out, Ikea has been the number one furniture retailer in the world for the last seven straight years. Like when I think about that and I think about where as salespeople, like what are the things that we're just going to own that we're not great at? And our messaging is going to be like, hey, we're not great at these things so we can be great at these others. Here at Power Reviews, you know, Power Reviews, we help companies collect and display ratings and reviews on their website. We have a, a competitor who came up with a new solution that had to do more with ad tech, uh, advertising technology. And their, their customers they were talking to about it were liking it. And so I went into an apparel manufacturer in New York, met with the VP of e-commerce who was very like aggressive with me where he's like, Todd, listen, I don't have a lot of time. Tell me why you're better than that. And I said, well, hey, listen, so I can save everybody some time. Can I tell you something that they're doing that's not even on our roadmap that if it's important to you, I'm going to save you a bunch of time. And the whole room melted. Yeah. And they all softened up. And I said, hey, listen, they're working on this. Here's what it does. Apparel companies like yours, there's a couple that are using it and liking it. It's not on a roadmap. We don't know when we're going to build it. But here's why. Uh, because we've decided to be really good at X, which is like ratings and reviews. Mm-hmm. This, this meeting, the, the whole demeanor changed instantly. 30 minutes in, he kicked everybody out of his office, grabbed a folder with his budget on it that literally said ratings and reviews on it and a dollar amount next to it. And he's like, can you hit that? I've never had that happen before. And it was like, it was one of those moments where I thought to myself, all right, I'm onto something here. Like there's something to this leading with what you're not good at. Because if you don't tell them, they're going to go do the homework, find out on their own. And many times they won't come back. You are so right. It's like the human psychology, human behavior. No wonder it's called neuroscience and that it's leading with. I think the way I interpret all of that is, is not necessarily saying what I'm not good at, but almost like being very open about your strengths and weaknesses in, in a way that people could say, you know what? Yeah, that's right. Like, I don't necessarily want one thing that does everything and it does at an average level. I want a few things that are incredibly, incredibly powerful. And if that's what you want, then here, here we are. But at the same time, I feel like, Todd, that's, that requires a lot of courage to do. And that in, you know, you as a CRO who have been in sales and, and leadership positions and these gigantic companies like Salesforce and, and SAP and others, and now, you know, obviously with this high growth company, I wonder, like, you know, do you think it comes naturally to you? Or do you see that, hey, no, man, if you're a rep today listening to this thing and you want to have have this authentic conversation, this type of courageous conversation is how I would put it, is actually going to be useful. But do you see a lot of 
salespeople, the rep level people actually doing it? And if not, like, what are the things that they can do to practice some of these things that you're talking about? Well, yeah, because I mean, you can, I think why this Flip My Funnel podcast is so important with marketers is the marketers need to help the salespeople with this messaging. Because if you just leave young salespeople to their own, they're like, hey, I, I heard that this works. I'm just going to tell you why I suck. And like, <laughs> that, that's not what I'm telling you. Um, yeah. You know, working with marketers to find out, hey, a buyer in our space, here's the research they're going to do. Here's what they're going to find. So going to G2 Crowd and finding out what customers are saying about you that's potentially negative because you know your buyer is going to go find it. And it's better to lead with those at the beginning if those are the elephant in the room type item. And so marketing can really help by helping uh, the organization understand, all right, if we're up against X competitor, what are they better than us at? But then again, why do we win? And if they're better than us at A or B, because but we win because of C, we can message that and say, hey, if A and B is super important, and we know we lose deals when A and B is the most important thing, qualify those out earlier and yeah. lead with those. And if the customer's like, hey, listen, in the, going back to that apparel brand that I went and met with, if that guy had told me, listen, ad tech is our future, and if it's not on your roadmap, then I, this probably isn't going to work. I, I've saved everybody a ton of time and money because they're going to find out later and it would suck to go through a six-month sales cycle and have that be the important thing come out at the end. But as it turns out, he was like, listen, that's not important to me at all. And if it was, um, I know that you partner with companies that could plug in. So let's keep talking. Thanks for sharing that. That was great. And it, it's just, it's something that you got to work with. Uh, salespeople need to work with marketing to make sure they get their messaging right. But it's got to be authentic. And it doesn't need to be a laundry list of like, this is why we're horrible. But you can't message it like Ikea does or like Southwest Airlines does or Progressive Insurance doing ads saying, hey, come get the uh, quote from us and our competitors. They're doing that because it breaks down the, hey, you're about to sell to me barrier and smooths the whole process out dramatically. And there's ways that every company can, can capture that. I love that, Todd. All right, I'm going to try to wrap up. And as we wrap these things, I would love for you to leave every single listener of this podcast with a challenge that you want them to do and, and take a step to, to be so courageous as you're talking about and be so transparent around it. So think about that challenge that you're going to give to everybody. So here are the three things that I, I got from this podcast. Number one, you know, it is, it is incredible. Everybody knows that trust is what sells. If you can build trust, then people are going to buy from you and, and they might buy from you at a premium because they trust you. And trust is on, is literally the currency on which I think sales and marketing are running on. But with trust comes that you need to be very, very much open and share when appropriate in the best way possible, what are the things you're not good at? And that requires a lot of courage. So Part of building trust is not just talking about what are the things you're great at, but part of building trust, you know, Todd, I think you have helped me recognize this, that, that I don't think I fully, fully valued so far in, in my process, but I, I think I now totally get it with the example that you shared. Man, if you want to build trust, you have to share what you're not good at too, when it's appropriate and the way it's appropriate. So that was really good. Number two, from the IKEA example, it is very clear. You're absolutely right. I always buy stuff from Ikea. And uh, every time I buy, I almost have the regret kind of feel at home because I'm not a handyman. So I need to get like somebody else to come and install all these things. And it, it really is painful 
but my wife loves it and it's exact she gets exactly what she wants and the way it, it looks and she couldn't find anywhere else so in a way i feel like okay it satisfies it it's in the budget and i can get somebody and they now sell services to help install so they have supplemented that with somebody else but they're still true to their core so that was a great example for me and then the last point and this is probably the big idea for everybody we are not saying on this podcast today todd is not not saying that, hey, go and create a longer list of things you suck at and, and, and start presenting that as your opener. It's literally saying that be very cautious, be very aware of what your customers and future customers want. And if they want things that you don't have or you don't plan to build, don't just you know jump around it or, or try to say, yeah, we might do that or not. Be very clear what your roadmap is and be very clear about what your roadmap is not if, you, if, you're, if you're certain about the path that you're going on. I think that's a really big idea. I think you, everybody can save a lot of time, own a lot of respect and trust because you could probably sell to them something down the road. So those were the three key points that I, that I got, but I'd love to, if there's anything I missed, please share that. And also leave everybody with a challenge to be more transparent at scale and be authentic around these things. Yeah, I think, you know, to kind of sum that up, what you just said, that the stat to remember is the one I started with, which is a product on a product page on a, like a retailer site sells best when it's a 4.2 to a 4.5, better than, so a 4.2 sells better than a 5. So my challenge is, and actually, if, I don't know if everybody remembers supermodel Tyra Banks, but she said the word flossome, uh, F-L-A-W-S-O-M-E. Uh, and it's embrace your vulnerabilities, but you're still awesome. And so <laughs> what I would challenge everybody to do is to think about how is your product or service a 4.2 to a 4.5? So it doesn't suck. It's still awesome, but it's more like flossome. Uh, figure out what are one or two things that you can lead that might be a vulnerability that you can lead a conversation with that are going to disarm your buyer that maybe your competitor's better at, but you can message around, hey, you've made that sacrifice. You can be really good at something else. You're going to see that relationship build much more quickly with your buyer. You're going to force them to do less homework. Uh, You're going to win more deals. You're going to qualify deals out faster. So again, to sum that up, my challenge is figure out how to present as though you're a 4.2 to a 4.5 and stop selling as though you're a perfect 5.0 and you're going to see some amazing things happen. Dude, that was such a way. Be be flossom, become flossom. What is the right word for that one? And, and everything will blossom from that point. So Todd, thank you so much for your time, man. And, and can you share a little bit about the book as we wrap this thing up? Yeah, so the book is called The Transparency Sale. It is slated to be on pre-sale on Amazon here very soon. And it will be published October 9th, 2018, as long as I continue to hit all my deadlines. But I look forward to everybody giving it a read and look forward to everybody's feedback. Fantastic, man. Well, Todd, thank you so much. And this was a wealth of information. So we'll, we'll keep, you, keep everybody posted on another episode as you get the book launched and get you back in here. Thanks, Todd. All right. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.